Welcome to episode 29 of the Worship is Life podcast, where worship equals relationship and relationship is the purpose of life. I'm your producer, Taylor Marshall, and today's guest is Jeremy Stein, and here is your host, Todd Marshall. Thank you, Taylor. 29, that means one more to go. Yeah, right. 30. Yeah. We're going to have to figure out what to do. And some other numbers too. Uh, as we're recording this, we're two days away from Christmas, Christmas. and nine days away from 2023. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy Merry New Christmas, Year. Happy New Year. And if everyone. you don't know this, every year I go on a mission trip to Mexico Yeah. and I leave on December 26th. And I return on January 2nd with the church here in the Twin Cities. And we go to an orphanage in Reynosa, Mexico. And it's amazing. I get to do a concert and hang out with these kiddos. And it's just a blast. And that's just a few days away. Yeah. It's coming up. And talk about your new Christmas song that just new came Christmas out. New Christmas song. If you listen to this podcast and you haven't heard this song yet, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> it's it's my new favorite Christmas song, which is a big deal to say. I love Christmas music. So proud of it. So excited about it. Um, I don't think I shared this on the podcast yet. I wrote it with my friend, Stephen Witt, who's like the Christmas man. He loves making Christmas music. And then I actually uh, was just really honored and blessed and excited uh, to work with a new friend of mine, uh, whose name, his name is David Bessonen. He's just an unbelievable sax player. Uh, and he actually has been the touring sax player with my favorite artist of all time, Ben Rector. So the fact that he is on this song is just a really fun insider. Uh, he's featured on the song and yeah, it's, it's been doing really well. I've been really pumped about it and just been asking people to add it to their Christmas playlist. It's been fun. Yeah. And we've had a couple of cool things the last uh, two weeks. Um, Brenda and I hosted our first ever Worship is Life open house yeah, in our great. home. So all of our supporters who are in the Twin Cities were invited and we just had a great, great night that mm-hmm. night. It was fun. And then just three days ago, I was video called in to Pakistan and was able to observe our orphans giving the first ever Christmas program in the orphanage building. I didn't even know that and happened. That's amazing. It was so amazing. All these, I mean, it was a full Christmas pageant. Seriously? Yes. Uh, interspersed with uh, dancing songs. And oh it was just, it was amazing. So who did they put, did they put it on for the rest of Oh the- yeah, the place was packed. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. That was awesome. That's so, crazy. Yeah. You know, this, this orphanage, as we've said before, is sits on the board border of two Christian villages. And uh, so, yeah, the place was uh, standing room only. It's crazy to think that when we were just there, what? uh, A little over a year and a half ago. A little over a year and a half ago. That was just a plot of dirt. (laughs) That's crazy. It's been amazing. It's crazy. A plot of dirt that they did not own at the time. Yeah, right. Somebody else's plot of dirt. Yeah. So very, very cool. Mm -hmm. Very, very cool. Well, we are really excited. I'm excited on multiple levels for this interview. Yeah. Because for the first time, Brenda and I are going to Israel at the end of next month. Crazy. We've been wanting to do this for a I can't long believe time. It's next month, already. I know we can't either, and uh, uh, so excited to be out of uh, Minnesota for two thirds of the month of January. That's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this will be a ten day trip, and this trip um, we're going with the alumni tour from North Central University, our alma mater. Um, but for us personally, it's also preparation because our ministry wants to lead trips mm-hmm. to Israel. You're saying Worship is Life wants to take trips to Israel. Worship is Life in 2024 is wow. going to start taking trips to taking people to Israel. Yeah, That's so exciting. so excited about that. And what's so cool about this interview is we are interviewing Jeremy Stein, mm-hmm. who is going to be our teaching tour guide for this trip. 
And um, Jeremy, welcome to the Worship is Life Ooh. podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Yeah, it's going to be great. So Jeremy um, is a part of the Center for Holy Land Studies out of the National Office of the Assemblies of God. He's a teaching strategist there uh, and oversees educational content development. Um, And so, yeah, Jeremy, let's just talk a little bit about how we got to know each other. Um, So back in March... Um, we were at Central Assembly where my brother-in-law pastors, which is right across the street from the national headquarters where you office. Um, and we were there doing a Saturday morning uh, workshop with the team. And then I spoke both Sunday morning services and you play guitar on the team at Central. So then we got to talking wow. at the meals um, and you hearing uh, our desire for Israel and then me f- discovering what you do and all these Connections, yeah. So, what was that? Uh, what was that little two days uh, like connecting with us? Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome getting to know you guys and to hear your heart of, of what you do. And I'm I'm so excited that we can uh, kind of bridge this. It's it's for me. It's always exciting in my position at the national office of the AG to see how many different ministries can come together in different ways and different forms to help each other grow. And so for me, it's always exciting to have a weekend like that, not only to, to grow as a guitar player on, on a worship team, but also to get to know you guys' ministry and, and to uh, have interaction with that. Yeah, that was that was that was so that was such a great uh, just a, a great God moment, divine appointment. Um, and you know when we originally thought of doing trips to Israel, we were going to work with a friend of ours here. Um, but I'm just so excited to connect with you with the Center for Holy Land Studies there. How that's connected to Central Assembly, my brother-in-law, because you and him, the pastor there, um, have done multiple trips together, and we're looking now at partnering on our first trip with them. Um, in 2024, where my brother-in-law would be the teaching guide and you would be the general tour guide. And so we're so excited about that. Mm -hmm. And anyone listening, uh, just be following us and be listening up because we'd love to have you come with us. I might have to start saving like like last (laughs) year for that. Yeah, Yeah, so instead of putting money down in a house, you can put money down on a trip to to Israel. (laughs) Yeah, so, and then the other thing that we found out while we were talking is that you grew up or spent many years living on Long Island where we were. And I think, did we figure out that you were probably even at our church for some of our productions when we were there? Remind me of that whole story. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I lived on Long Island for 27 years and we were, we were out by you for just about all your productions, every single. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Compared to you guys. So it was always, we would do some of our church gatherings at your church to see oh, your production. They were all inspiring compared to anything that we could have put together. Oh, that is really cool. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I knew that Jeremy. And that's like my childhood. Yeah. That was because we were there 14 years and that was from age two to 16 for me. So oh, all yeah. those production years are like core memories for me. Yeah. And he was, he was in all of them one way or another. Mm-hmm. And especially yep. the last yeah. several years, even as young as he was, um, he started in the percussion section. Well, after singing in the kids choir as a five-year-old yeah, right. and then, um, and then went to on uh, drums. I think by the time you were 12, mm-hmm. I think you were drumming for the glory Christmas. So. I think I did those last four years were there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. So, uh, so Jeremy would have been observing you from, uh, Crazy. from afar there. So Crazy. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's just weird to picture 
picture us in the same room. I know. And who would have thought we'd all be in Minnesota? <laughs> I mean, you're not, but where we are now and then doing this podcast, that's yep. crazy. It is crazy. Well, yeah. Um, so Jeremy Taylor, our listeners, just a little bit about more about yourself and your family. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, originally, like I said, I'm from New York and now I'm living in uh, Springfield, Missouri, out here with just me, my wife, and our five cats. Uh, wow. <laughs> Uh, I travel significantly, not just to Israel, but to the lands of the Bible as a whole um, with the Center for Holy Land Studies. I lead groups to basically anywhere where the narrative of the Bible takes place in Turkey, in Greece, in Italy, in Egypt, in Jordan, wow. in Cyprus. Mm. Um, what a life, man. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of Bible and a lot of land to cover. And so yeah. I just, for example, I just finished up with, um, river Valley church up by you guys. Um, and we just did Turkey going through the footsteps of not only Paul, but also looking at the letter of revelation to the yeah. seven church. Mm -hmm. there. And this um, is crazy. So Jeremy, so we went to the river Valley <laughs> Christmas spectacular. Christmas <laughs> we were there together, Taylor and I and Brenda, um, and, and so the pastor, Rob and his wife came on in Vinny in with video greeting because they were in Turkey with you. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah. And, and I mean, it's just, I love getting to be a part of this and to, uh, explore people's faith in a new way or help them explore their faith in a new way. Um, because anytime you go to the land where the Bible was written, it changes how you understand yeah. the word of God. And you have to realize that a lot of times there's nuances and things that are inside the biblical text that we don't often realize because the ancient authors uh, are writing to an audience that knows their world. They know the things going on. They know the geography and the places. Yeah. And so for me, that gets to be a super exciting part of just ministry as a whole of watching people's perspectives and understanding of what they're reading in the Bible change and grow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so amazing. Um, so, and so I want to, I want to segue off that right into our main discussion here, Jeremy. So you've heard me teach, you've heard me preach. Um, you've heard this prophetic message, worship is life, worship equals relationship. And then the foundational piece of recognizing and engaging in God's relational pattern of revelation and response. And so the reason we want to take people to Israel, believers to Israel, uh, is because we've heard the testimonies of how your trips um, and trips like yours impact believers when they're actually to able to be there, walk those areas, hear those stories, um, be in the places where they've read the stories and heard the stories talked about and teach, taught about and preached about, um, the impact that's had on their lives. And, and what I want to help people see um, is how God's relational pattern of revelation and response is happening, uh, was happening in all those stories and all those places, um, help people just under strengthen their understanding of that relational dynamic. That is the same dynamic that has been going on for all of mankind and continues today where God is inviting us to engage uh, with him by looking for him, listening for him and responding to him. So Jeremy, I'm just wondering if you could share with our listeners 
some of the maybe the top places that that rings true for you. Um, I know you've been all over, but especially in the Israel area, um, when you think about that in light of those stories, in light of those places, what are what are some of the top few that stand out for you? I, I think, I mean, right off the bat, my mind always goes to when in Jerusalem at the southern steps of the temple, when we explore and we talk about Pentecost, uh, mm. because it's it, so integral into at least my identity um, as a Pentecostal, as somebody in as a part of the Assemblies of God. It's a huge part of my own identity, but understanding the command and what has just gone about and waiting there in Jerusalem after not only just the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus about 40 days earlier, um, but also Jesus's command to them to wait until the Father mm-hmm. reveals himself, mm-hmm. and then what the response is right after. Um, we go to the place and on an Israel trip that we believe is the location where it takes place, um, and we sit there and we read the text and we put it inside its context, but we also read Peter's statement to the audience there. And it's kind of that open-ended statement of, well, now what are you going to do about it? Mm. And that for me is always exciting um, because watching the church do that right in that instant and become almost a different identity and how they worship, how mm. they interact with God, but also how they interact with others inside their own world. And it's really the start of what births the church as we understand it and know it as a missional minded Mm. church. And then it comes back to our modern day of, wait a second, the same spirit that was poured out on that day is still being poured out on mankind. And so the revelation of God has not stopped. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just in that very moment, but it's still taking place today. And so what's our response even now? How do we worship differently when we have that revelation from God? How do we interact as a church with each other, but also with the outside world and yeah. understanding that the power that is poured out 2000 years ago is still the power that's poured out today and letting it change us becomes key in our understanding and our identity as believers. And so for me, that's one of those, those perfect moments of being there and having that connection uh, above all else. That's awesome. That's awesome. I can't, <laughs> as you talk about it, like I'm trying to imagine my mind cause I know I'm going to be there like in a month. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. And in 2024, you listeners could be coming with us. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. What's another, uh, what's another spot or, or another story? Uh, I, I love when we're down in the South of Israel and we go to a place called Ein Avdat, which is, the place where Moses is commanded to uh, speak to the rock and water will pull, pour forth from it. And instead he strikes the rock. And what's wrapped up in that whole story is a nuance that we don't understand in modern day because mm. none of us are shepherds. None of us are working down in uh, the area known as the Negev. And here, God is making an attempt to reveal himself differently 
to Israel than he has before. Mm. And I think this is kind of the flip of the coin here because we've seen it already where Moses has struck a rock and water came out in a different location. And God revealed himself to Israel in that way. But here God's desiring to reveal himself in a different way. But unfortunately what Moses does is he basically steals the glory from God. Um, it's in an area where water gets wrapped up inside the rocks because the rocks are very porous mm. and um, you have pockets of water that get stuck inside it as the water runs uh, off it inside the rain. There's, there's very short rainy season. And Moses as a shepherd should know this. Mm. Um, it's even to this day, as you walk down these valleys and these canyons, um, you'll see modern Bedouin shepherds that will be hitting the rock with their staff listening for when there's water, and then they'll smack it again and break the small crust in the rock that has developed, and water will come out. Oh, man. And when Moses does this, we find that the revelation of God is denied to Israel, mm. and because of it, God's anger burns against Moses. And it's the thing that stops Moses from being allowed to enter into the promised land, the place that he's basically sacrificing one third of his life to try to get to, that he's leading these people who are stiff-necked and difficult and create all sorts of problems for him. The reward at the end of this is, all right, you'll get into the promised land. And this is that moment where God says, no, no, because you denied my revelation to my people, you are now going to be denied of this. Hmm. And I like to think about, okay, what, how would that have changed, not only for Moses, but for Israel as a whole, hmm. in strengthening their faiths, in knowing the identity of God more? And so I think one of the things we have to be careful of as well in ministry is where we have the revelation of God and the response that comes uh, about because of it. What happens when we, when we personally, in our own flesh and our own nature, deny the revelation of God? Yep. How does that stifle? How does that change the response yep. of what could happen? And so that's kind of like that other opposite end of the coin when yeah. it comes to it, um, that. I love going through there and talking about that because at one level or another, sometimes we're all guilty of that. Sometimes Absolutely. we... We get in ourselves and we get in the flesh and we don't represent how much or we don't understand how much we represent God to others and, and God to our families. And, and sometimes we damage that reputation and we damage that revelation of God where he wants to reveal himself to mm. others through mm. us. Mm. Um, we know that that's a huge part of God's plan, because even from the very beginning of calling Abraham's children, he says, the reason I'm doing this is so that you will be my example to the world. And they do a bad job at that at times. And so uh, I think that we can all fall guilty or, or fall prey to that. And we have to keep that in the mindset as well. Yeah. When I talk about that dynamic, I say we can give a favorable response or we can give an unfavorable response, right? So we're going to respond one way or the other to the revelation. And whichever way we respond, God's also going to respond. He's going to respond yeah. to us. And it's interesting as I was, I don't know if this is the first time I've ever thought about it, as you were talking about Moses's response there, especially because you brought out the insight of he was reverting to his own understanding of what he knew. So he was going to yeah. do it his way. And that it's like, okay, so it started that way, right? When God first revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush, Moses' first response was unfavorable, right? And then he came around for a favorable response. And now here we are 
uh, all these decades later in that same dynamic, which again is just another uh, just another sign to us how we need to we we need to stay. Um, on track because because that self centered response can jump up at any time and 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 bite us and and um, wow yeah that's a that's an awesome insight there about um, what was behind uh, Moses taking matters into his own hand leaning on his own understanding uh, in that in that moment wow uh, is there another one that sticks out to you I got a quick question oh yeah I don't, I yeah. don't have a great um, concept of the distance between all the places, right? I've never been there. Um, talk to me about is, is, is like Gol is Golgotha in, in like walking distance. Like, I mean, I know he went like the long walk there. Is that a spot that you've been before or a place that gets visited often, or is that not a known location? I don't know anything about that. No, it's, it's absolutely very well known. There are two places that are oftentimes claimed by believers to be the place of Golgotha as well as the burial of Jesus. They're going to take place in close proximity of one another based mm -hmm. on just how ancient cities were set mm -hmm. up. And there's two places. One place is what's known as the Garden Tomb, which is something that somebody uh, came up with um, back in uh, about a little bit over a century ago. And unfortunately, that one, it's a beautiful garden um, outside of the modern day old city um, that is very scenic, very picturesque, but it doesn't fit what we see inside the biblical narrative nor inside archaeology. Mm. The second place, the place called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is one of the earliest churches that we have. It was built almost immediately after the legalization of Christianity by um Constantine, who was the emperor who legalized Christianity inside the Roman slash Byzantine Empire as it changed over, um, his mother, um, she's going to go into the land and she's going to build three churches, two of which are still standing today. And the Holy Sepulchre is based off of the earliest traditions as well as the archaeology of uh, what took place in Jerusalem following the New Testament period. Mm. You're going to have that the tomb of Jesus was clearly venerated by early Christians up until about 136 AD, and that this time Jerusalem is going to be attacked by the Romans for the second time in 50 years. It's going to fall, and um, Emperor Hadrian at the time is going to build a temple upon the place where the tomb and the crucifixion of Jesus would have taken place. Wow. Um, go down into the basement of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre today, you can actually see remains of that temple mm. as well. So we have the ancient text that are lining up with the archaeology. And so that tells us that this church, even though you can't really see it, there's a rock in there that one of the churches inside the church, because it's actually broken up into seven into several different um, denominations that control the church. There's one room that has a rock of Golgotha, as they call it, but it's not going to be probably legitimate. But we do know inside shot when we're walking inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, that somewhere inside the confines of that church, underneath your feet maybe, is where all of this took place. And it's within mm. maybe an eight-minute walk from where Pilate would have sentenced him. Mm. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. That is really crazy. 
Yeah, it's got to be nuts to just be there. It's like probably super surreal the first time you're walking through there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When you're starting to put everything into perspective of just how close it is and, and what's actually taking place, because so often um, our understanding of what takes place, even during like the nativity or the uh, death of Jesus, um, it's based off of traditions and modern approaches that we've seen displayed in media or something like that, that's not always on par with what we know from the text or how we understand what's going on inside the text. The idea, for example, of these massive crowds, hundreds if not thousands of people flooding the streets as Jesus is being crucified is not how a crucifixion on that time would have taken place, especially mm -hmm. the day after they're having the Passover Pesach mm -hmm. meal, according to Luke's gospel. Um, to put it frankly, most people the next morning would have been waking up a little bit later because of the amount of wine that's consumed inside the Pesach meal. Mm -hmm. So the reality is, and it would be attested to in the gospels that, for example, Jesus would be up there on the cross as the majority of Jerusalem is waking up. They basically have no idea that this is taking place. And right. Acts kind of confirms this because you find this statement that's made by the Sadducean leaders that they're afraid that the people put two and two together and realize that Jesus's blood is on their hands. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. As you were talking about the cultural norms that and assumptions that we make, I was just picturing like, like we, we raise, you know, kids in kids church and with picture Bibles and we teach them the stories, which is great. I think there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like, you know, I'm an adult now and I like love the Lord. I'm strong, in my faith. And that's how I was raised in the stories that I've learned. And I don't believe they were just fictional. I believe that they were real, but, mm -hmm. but I have no really concept for them being tangible except for what I can imagine. It's so it's like, I just picture myself and so many others, you know, thousands of people that have experienced going to Israel for the first time, just like constant mind being blown because it's like, <laughs> Oh, this, this happened here, which confirms something real. And, and just all, I just, it's just gotta be crazy. Yeah. It's, I mean, when you base your life around something such as God's word and the narratives of the Bible, it, you you yeah. have an imagination of what's going on, but then you see it, and mm -hmm. then it's cemented not just in the reality of this actually happened right here, but standing in that moment and, and standing in that place, understanding, wait a second, this is all much realer than I ever thought. I can have faith, but then when I see the tangibility of that faith right there, and I can hold it in my hand in some uh, manners, um, it, it, it absolutely amplifies that experience and that relationship because it has changed our perspective from being something in a land long time ago, far, far off to something that is so much closer and so much more real than mm -hmm. we can imagine. It's amazing. So Jeremy, you're talking about the impact that this has on people who come and see it, especially for the first time. You've alluded to it earlier as well. Do you have any like specific examples for a group or for an individual? I mean, you probably have all kinds of testimonial type stories, but anything uh, jump out of you that you could share with our listeners of a particular group or a particular person and the impact on them? Absolutely. I mean, I have had people that have come many times because simply their spouse 
had talked them into coming. They weren't churchgoers. They weren't people who uh, would call themselves believers at that time. And, and, and even people who would tell me that they had denied and they had mocked their, uh, the, the faith of their loved ones and things like that. And then they come and they just see how real it is, but also experience the presence of God inside mm. the land. Um, you, you'd be shocked how many people will come back to me and say, you know, what? I, I gave my life to Christ on that trip wow. because that's what I realized it was all real. And I, I, I laugh now. We have this saying in our office. We think about this scene inside one of the more recent Star Wars where they say to Han Solo, they're telling him everything. And he goes and in disbelief. And he goes, it's all real. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times I have I have people on trips that have that type of revelation mm. of. I thought it was just fairy tales. I thought it mm. was just this. And then I'm standing there. And I'm realizing it's all real. For example, one thing that somebody had told me is that when you talk about the the storms that we hear about Jesus calming and Jesus walking on the water during it on the Sea of Galilee, and you get to the Sea of Galilee and you see that it's just a lake. I mean, you have people that can swim across it if they're they're trained swimmers. It's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can boat across it in a matter of, less than an hour or so. Um, and they see this and they kind of laugh and say, well, how do storms happen? And then you realize that it's the lowest freshwater face, uh, freshwater body on the face of the earth. And it's in this bowl that then has the meeting point between the cool airs of the Mediterranean, the warm airs of the desert to the east. And it comes together there, gets trapped in this bowl and makes these massive storms out of nothing. Hmm. And then all of a a second, they they realize and they see, wait a second, these narratives are, are, these people had to have witnessed these things. They had to have gone through these things. There's no other Hmm. way that they're describing these events that are taking place unless they're sitting there watching it happen. And they have those moments where it just clicks and they (laughs) say, all real, this all truly did happen. There's no other way to describe it. And so for me, it's always exciting to see and to watch those people who have those aha moments. But then or so, I find it even more exciting. I just had one uh, a few weeks ago that came back with me after he got saved on a trip four years ago. He finally came back. And to watch how he processed this trip as opposed to his first trip was even more so exciting to me because now his heart and his mind were ready for what God was planning on doing Mm. with the rest of Mm -hmm. his life from that point on. Hmm. God met him there the first time and revealed himself to to him that first time. And then now he's coming back and asking, all right, God, you revealed yourself this way so that I knew you. Now reveal yourself again so that I know your plan of what I'm supposed to do to build your kingdom. Wow. That's awesome. Man, you got a great job. <laughs> got a great I love job. it. I have a blast. <laughs> no it, is, it is one of the, the greatest ministries I could have ever imagined to be to be called. Well, how often how often are I mean you're based in the US. How often are you able to go on a trip? Um I will I'm usually gone about I'd say 200 plus, as much as 270 days a year. Oh, what? Yeah, two thirds, yes. two thirds of the year. He's over oh there somewhere. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Yes, that is yes. astronomically so example, more. I just got home this week. 
I'll be home. This will be the longest stretch that I'm home until the summer. I'll leave January 7th. I have a, a trip to Egypt. I'll come back on the 17th and then I'll leave again um, within a week. So do you have with me with me? Yeah. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so do you have all your citizenships yet for all those countries over there? No, I just have, <laughs> I just have a U.S. citizenship. Yeah, I imagine. Crazy. Wow. wow. So, you know, Jeremy, you've heard me say, and our, one of our passions is to help people understand that relationship with God always translates into relationship with others. And you've been alluding to that um, here today. Do you have any specific examples of relational impacts, um, uh, person to person within groups that have happened on tours? Are you, do you mean like with with myself or the the, the groups themselves um, growing? In- any yeah. any 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 relational connections impact. I I see it all the time with larger churches or larger bodies that mm. come as people don't know each other yep. on the trip. Um, I'll do churches that have multiple campuses, for example, that everybody will come from all different campuses and they won't really know each other. And then they'll, the trip will create a unique bond yeah. that you can't even imagine because one of the big things that I have to tell people when they're on the trips is that you're going to try to go home and explain what you experienced on this trip to your friends and loved ones, and they're not going to be able to fully grasp it because in order to fully grasp it, you've got to come on the trip to understand it. Yeah. And so as a result, it will create a unique bond between and a unique relationship mm-hmm. between those members of the, the church and those members of that trip because they've all experienced a powerful move of God and a different revelation and a different relationship now with God yeah. that others don't necessarily understand or know. Mm-hmm. And so their relationship becomes so much stronger that I can't tell you how many times I see posts of even years after the trips take place that these groups that have gone together are meeting up in their own city or meeting up in central locations because of the friendships and the bonds that have been created um, as a result of that, of that just experiencing that powerful move of God. And so for me, that's, that's exciting. And I also feel like just about every trip that I go on with any church, I become a member of their church because Mm. having those deep emotional connections, those deep emotional moments. I mean, I've been doing this. um, I'm getting close to uh, since I've been doing this part time. I've been doing this since 2015. I've been doing it full time since 2017. Um. And so I probably do maybe about uh, 15 church groups a year or so. And with each one, I feel like I become a member of that because Mm -hmm. we have those connections and it's never the same trip, no matter if the itinerary is the same because the groups are never the same. And what the groups are going through inside their own personal lives and everything, it changes the dynamic and it helps the group be different for me. And as a result, I'm going through many of the same spiritual highs as well with them, no matter how many times I've been at that site. And so it forms that relationship as well, where when I'm home, a lot of times I'm traveling around the U.S. going to different churches that I've been on trips with because that relationship is still so strong. And I feel like I'm a part of that church as well. 
Well, what a beautiful, um, what a beautiful understanding and explanation you have of the relational side of that. That is really cool and really well, really well put. And that, that, I mean, another, another huge, um, closing pitch to, for people to want to come. Cause that's something that we oh all goodness. want for connection yeah. and relationship. Yeah. We are so excited. We, 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 we are so, I can't believe it's just a month away. Oh yeah, my goodness. Crazy. And, I, and I'm going to be one of those waiting to waiting here to hear about it and knowing that it'll be different until I get there. But yeah. Jeremy, thanks for, thanks for being on our show today. Before we let you go, um, pretty much every episode, um, we bring on an, um, an honorary member of our podcast. I don't know if, I don't actually know if you know that or not, but, um, I am aware. you're aware <laughs> of this. Well, he's been looking forward to meet with you. I have him on hold here. Um, so I'll just patch him in here and, um, Jeremy, you're on with Billy Bob McCall. Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy Stein, Jeremy Stein, Billy Bob here. I am so honored to talk to you today. How are you, my friend? I am. I am excited. I am good today. I am honored to be uh, here with you. Oh man, I I want to I want to go where you've gone so bad. I mean, I barely get out of my own town, much less out of the country. I've done a little traveling around the country, you know, but 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 not much. But man, I would love to do it. Although, well, you know, speaking of that, let me just say that that I know a thing or two about a thing or two. For example, because of the of the the minimal little traveling I've done around the country, I do know this. I know that the foods that we eat where I live might seem a little uncommon or unusual in other parts of the country. I've learned I've learned that, and I can imagine. I can imagine that with all the traveling you've done, you've eaten some things that that others in our country might think of as a little unusual or a little uncommon. So let's let's have some fun with this. Let's um I I don't know if we want to call it a contest, see how far we can go. Maybe it's a contest, maybe not, but let's do a little comparing here. Um you you list a food uh, unusual food that you've had somewhere, and then all, and then all this one that we have all the time where I'm from. Okay, all right. I'll start with one I just tried for the first time last week. I had a boiled chicken breast dessert. It was kind of like a boiled chicken breast tapioca. Oh, Ugh. something's coming up in my throat. The gag reflex right now. It was actually really good. Ah, uh, chicken for dessert with a tapio. Ugh, ugh, that's gagging me. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, well, how about this? We love alligator tail. Oh, I do love me some alligator tail. What? You had alligator tail? We do. In Missouri, you can get it right at the grocery store. <laughs> Our local well, Hy-Vee usually has a big old gator oh just sitting gosh. right there in the seafood oh my area. Goodness. Well, it's true. People know that 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 my 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 home grounds are kind of you know kind of not too far from where you would be down at you know a little further south in the hillbilly lands but uh <laughs> but yeah i guess i'm not shocked to hear that you've got some alligator tail up there the the funnest part though the funnest part for us is is catching it <laughs> that, that, that's the funnest part okay you go what do you got next all right um what we call sweetbreads which is calf's brain Ugh. oh Oh man! Oh, 
That's messed Taylor up. Taylor's struggling with that one. That's not right. <laughs> where Where did you have that? Uh, I've had that in Jordan. Oh my, oh my. Well, I don't know. If this is close, but uh, we love chicken gizzard. Oh, yeah, know that what, one. I'm, I can't get behind. You know what it is. You know what chicken gizzard is. Yes, it's that 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 thing inside their stomach yep. that churns. Dude, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. tasty, tasty, tasty. Uh, okay, what do you got next? All right, I've got horse meat. Horse meat. I mean, I've heard of horses going to the glue factory, but I didn't know if that was for meat. Where did you yeah, have you ho- horse out of it. Where did you have horse meat? Also in Jordan. Oh, my. Oh, my. Well, how about this? We love us some smoked crawdads. Ooh, I do love some <laughs> Well, we're having more in common than I was <laughs> expecting. Oh, man. Okay, what what do you got? What do you got? Another one. All right. Camel. Okay, I know we're going to ride some camels, but people over there eat camels? They do. They do. You've got to find the right people. Oh, but, man. yeah, they'll still, they'll still eat camels. And I, I do know a place in Jerusalem, but more so I've had it more in Saudi Arabia. It's kind of one of those. It's kind of one of those more rare food trucks that you got to find. Yeah, it's, it's harder <laughs> to buy because they're they're expensive animals. They're they're tough to find, but they still oh. die. And if they die in the right way, it's still uh, it's fresh oh, meat. Man. Oh man! Well, I'm not going to be shocked if you had this one, but we love us some pickled pig's feet. <laughs> oh, my grandmother used to make that. I hated it. <laughs> oh yeah! Man. Oh yeah! We can't wait. Christmas Day, pickle pig tree. Christmas. Oh, no. oh, yeah. oh yeah. Okay, one more for you. All right. I had just recently one of probably one of the nastiest things I think I know that I've tasted is a red carrot juice with peppers and like onions into it. When I smelt it, it smelt like it was a beef stew dinner. And it was absolutely disgusting. Huh. So was there something else in it? There, there were all there's like peppers and everything. That's it was. It's it's apparently a local delicacy in the area of Tarsus, where where the Apostle Paul is from, and the people there absolutely love it. And so when I was there, wow. a few of my Turkish friends said, "You got to try this," and so I did, and it was a mistake. Oh man! <laughs> well. I don't know if you've had this, but we love us some baked possum. <laughs> oh, no. Baked no. possum. Oh, yeah. Oh, Never yeah. had that. Squirrel, oh, yeah. but no possum. Oh, yeah. And then the last thing I'll just say, you know, that you just never know what it's going to be, but we just put it on the category of roadkill. <laughs> we definitely take advantage of the roadkill situation around here where I live, no doubt. Not as much of a hunt at that time. Well, uh, Jeremy, are you are you kidding me that there's alligator at your high V? Is that a joke? No, yeah, I can send you a picture of it. I would love if you did. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm a big, I'm a big like alligator crocodile guy every time i'm in florida it's my goal to see one but i've never had one and i don't know if i could bring myself to either <laughs> it's good it's 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 rubbery and oh. you gotta make sure you see that's the, it. you can't do that <laughs> the rubbery is like and then and then camel what is camel like that's gotta not be that's gotta be tough yeah it, it is a tougher it's definitely a tougher meat 
Um, it doesn't necessarily have a I, the 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 couple times I've had it, it tastes different for both, um, just based off how it was prepared. Depends which hump um, you get it out of. I don't. I don't think it's out of a hump. I think it's out <laughs> just of a thigh. Uh, the hump would not be that good because that's mostly fat, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, but oh man, yeah, it was so the first time I had it. What my friend didn't tell me what it was. Um, the second time I had it, I knew what it was, um, and I specifically ordered it just to let's let's give another uh, round of it. Um, but yeah, it was very tough uh, meat. Mm. I'm just picturing mom being with you guys in a couple <laughs> weeks and like her not wanting to try any oh, of this man. stuff. It's going to be great, man. I can't believe we're going. I can't wait. Um, this yeah. has been great, Jeremy. Yeah. And um, I'm going to see you in a month, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much, man. We appreciate you joining our episode here. Yeah, have a great my Christmas. Pleasure. Have a great New Year and God bless you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, we're so glad you joined us for another episode. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Jeremy, and we hope that you consider saving up and joining us for an Israel tour in the near future. As always, you can check out worshipislife.org, or you can click on my link to find all my new music and my new Christmas song, and we'll see you next time. Have a Merry Christmas. My name is Jeremy Stein, and you're listening to Worship Is Life podcast.